0: Well, good morning Fraserlands Church. Uh, my name is Wilson. Um, happy 2022. It's uh, excited to be here and um, see all of these n- new faces here in this brand new year. Um, yeah, and we're grateful to have everyone here, especially those who are online as well. Um, your physical presence is not here with us. We have not forgotten you and we are happy to have you uh, tuning in. And yeah, special warm welcome to those who are new here as well. Um, if you're new to Fraserlands for the first time if you want to get connected with us you can scan and fill in our digital connect form uh, that's located in the foyer or on our website. So let's uh, stand up and greet those around us and wish them a happy new year. Right, you may be seated now. <laughs> uh, so this week, we have no new announcements. Uh, for, for, for more information on our latest news and updates, you can always uh, refer to our website at phraserlands.ca. But other than that, we have nothing new for this week. Uh, let's take this time together to uh, pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for all that you have done for us and provided to us. From the air that we breathe, the clean water we have access to, the church and community we have here, to this beautiful city that we live live in, we are so thankful, Father. Most importantly, we are thankful for your never-ending love, grace, and kindness that we cannot even begin to comprehend. We praise you and we worship you for you alone are worthy of our praise and worship. Father, we are also thankful for the progress that has been made in the Fraserlands Building Project. Thank you for the guidance, strength and wisdom you have placed on our leaders and on the building team. May we be reminded that this building project is to be used to further your kingdom and to serve those in your community. Help us be hospitable with our new facilities and open doors to new opportunities that will further serve you and your people. Father, in these times where COVID is running rampant in our world and the Omicron variant continues to spread, we ask for your protection amongst your people, God. We pray for your peace And in these scary times, as well as your discernment and guidance in our everyday lives, as we continue to live in this pandemic, we pray for healing for those who are affected and that they will have a speedy recovery. May your work continue to be done in these times. Let us quiet ourselves now and ask the Lord to examine our hearts, allowing room for the Holy Spirit to speak. Father, we confess to you and to one another that we have sinned. There have been times where we did what you have not asked us to do, and times where we did not do what you have asked us to do. We have not always been loving, caring, and kind to those around us and to ourselves. We pray for your forgiveness and for you to free us from our sin. We ask for your Holy Spirit to convict us and renew us. Help us to humble ourselves, to seek your face, and to turn from our wicked ways. Restore us. Lord God Almighty, you alone are sufficient. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for your sacrifice that saved us from our sins. Thank you for your love that knows no bounds. Truly, we are in the hands of the Good Shepherd. We can never thank you enough, Father, for all that you have done, all that you continue to do, and all that you will do. We praise you and worship you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So now we will continue our worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Uh, if you are a guest with us, you are welcome to give, but please feel no obligation to do so. We are just glad that you are here with us today. As a reminder, we're not using offering bags anymore to uh, collect offerings. If you have brought your offering, you can deposit it in the offering box at the back of the sanctuary, or you can also use the alternate ways to give that's posted on our website and on the screens above. So now I'll pass this time to Harwood and his work his team to lead us in worship
1: good morning church it's good to be here with you this snowy morning would you rise with us as we worship this morning to keep
0: thank you worship team for leading us in worship our scripture reading today comes from john chapter 20 verse 19 to 23 feel free to follow along on your bibles in your bible app or on the big screens behind me john chapter 20 verse 19 to 23 on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord.
2: The peace of the Lord be with you, and also with you. Thank you. I'm just going to put this down need my real estate, you know. Good morning. My name is Pastor Ben, one of the pastors here at Fraserlands. How are you this morning? (laughs) Maybe coming to church is the last thing on your minds? Holidays? COVID? Snow? (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, those in person. Thank you so much for joining us online, those who are with us. Thank you so much to Wilson for leading us and Harwood and the worship team for leading us. Thanks, God. Well, it's great to be with you here this morning, and I'm going to begin by praying. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and your spirit, and that you are a great king, and you love us, and you challenge us. I Pray that the challenge of mission would sit on our hearts. Okay. So let's begin with a little thought experiment. I want you to imagine, am I a little loud? I feel like I'm a little loud. No, everyone's fine. Okay, great. Um, I want you to imagine that Jesus Christ last week moved into your neighborhood. If You were with us here on an evening in December. This wouldn't be too hard to imagine because Kelsey was exploring that through a drama. But I want to think about it a bit differently. On AEID, we were thinking about what is Jesus inviting me to. I want you to think about what would it be like if Jesus moved into your neighborhood for the neighborhood. He moved in to your apartment block or on the block where you're living, wherever you live, this week. What would start happening in your neighborhood because he moved in there? What would he do? Who would he talk to? Where would he go shopping? Would he go shopping at all? Would he, you know, produce bread and fish regularly? Whom, whom would he have into his home? You know, I know one thing. I would want to be at his barbecues. The food would never run out, and I hear he serves the best wine and unlimited qualities. I would want to be there. I also know that I would want to go and listen. I, whatever he was saying, I would want to go and listen. And I also know that I would want to start bringing some of my friends to hear him, too. I would want to go, go go hear him, right? I I think if you start thinking about it, if Jesus moved into the neighborhood, he would very quickly transform. He would transform the neighborhood, absolutely. Well, this is our last message in our series on the incarnation. God moved into the neighborhood. We've had... five messages already, this is the sixth one, two on the nature of the Incarnation, two on the purpose, and our last two messages are like two implications. So we had the one on the body last week, that uh, Jesus Christ's Incarnation is an affirmation of the goodness of the body, and I recommend you go listen to that if you haven't managed to hear it, because it's kind of a unique sermon. It's not something we talk about very much. This week I'm going to come to a totally different implication which is God coming to the world has implications for our mission, the mission of the church. Put it this way. God has shown us what it is like to go to a group of people on mission. God has shown us what it is like to move into a neighborhood, to bring the life of God with him. Jesus calls us today to do the same. The thing is, in a sense, Jesus has moved into your neighborhood because you're there we are called wherever we go to bring the life of christ with us when we go to work we bring the life of christ and the holy spirit with us we bring the message of christ with us when we go home to our neighborhoods we bring the life of christ with us and in a sense jesus christ already has as you start thinking thinking about what would it look like for Jesus to move into your neighborhood, well, maybe you're already thinking about what God's calling you to do this morning. I have a quote from a pastor. Is that it there? This is Gary Bradley. Right where you are, God is moving to draw and connect people in the depth, risk, and reality of Christ. I'll read it again. It's a good quote. Right where you are, God is moving to draw and connect people in the depth, risk, and reality of Jesus Christ. Friends, God is at work where you are, and he calls us, you and me, to take part in the work that he's doing. So I want to start with this question today. What is your place in the mission of God? What is your place in the mission of God? If you don't have a clear answer to that question that's okay it's something that people need to think about but i want to challenge you to take that question seriously and start thinking about it and start being able to answer what your place is in the mission of god because every person who is a disciple of christ is challenged to answer that question today we see the missional implications of the incarnation and we're looking at an amazing bible passage from john chapter 20. This passage has been called John's Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission in Matthew. This is John's Great Commission. and In this passage, Jesus gives four things, four gifts to his church. Each one of these things is big, loaded, and we're going to spend some time unpacking these four things. The four things he gives are peace, mission, the Holy Spirit, and authority. Peace, mission, Holy Spirit and authority. Let's go through them. So, in verse 21, uh, Jesus Christ begins speaking to the disciples and he's commissioning them in the passage and he gives them four things. And the four things he says are four things he's giving. The first is this. So, verse 21 of John, I think we should have it up there. Verse 21, John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said, Peace be with you. That's all the words. I'll call this the precondition for mission. If you don't have the peace of Jesus Christ in your heart, you're going to be motivated to go out on mission by something else, probably fear or guilt. Peace is a big Bible word. Very quickly, it means something like unconditional blessing, the fabric of your life being woven together perfectly. Do you have peace? This passage doesn't begin with peace. I don't know if you caught that story. The passage begins with fear. There's a story before it that I included. The ten disciples, that's the twelve minus Judas and Thomas, it's resurrection day, it's the evening, and they don't know that Jesus Christ has risen. And the text says they are behind closed doors, afraid. They were afraid. This is a picture of a terrified group of people. Jesus comes to them, and he appears. He shows them his hands and his sides, and he says, peace to you. And it changes their fear to joy. Now, this is the group of people that Jesus is choosing to be his missionaries. And it's not the kind of people that I would choose to be my missionaries, you know, the terrified ten. That's what they're called. It's very encouraging. I have lots of fear. This is exactly the kind of person that Jesus Christ will choose because he wants to give us his peace to address the things that are fearful in our hearts before he sends us out. You know, there's lots of things that can rob us of peace. There's lots of things that can rob us of peace. For Kelsey and I in the last couple of years, one thing that's robbed us of peace has been her PR status. We applied for her work permit and PR status in February, just before COVID, partly due to our mistakes, partly due to COVID, and partly due to some very large government mistakes. We had about 14 months of worrying, no status, unsure waiting. Talk about a lack of peace. (laughs) This thing was like a shadow over our lives. Kelsey couldn't leave the country. Um, We spoke to lawyers. We weren't sure what to do. We had to pray about whether she should stop working. I had a lot of very scary phone calls. Uh, When Kelsey was seven and a half months pregnant, I had a phone call with MSP that said, your MSP is going to run out in one week. And I said to the person, my wife is seven and a half months pregnant. And he said, well, you can make an application, and in the next couple of months, we'll start looking at it and see if we can get you some <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that was a bad conversation. <laughs> that was really bad. In the end, uh, I contacted our local politician, and they went to bat for us. And we got the MSP in a matter of days. And uh, April of this year, Kelsey was granted her PR status. And when we got that email telling us that she had gotten PR, oh, man, we were happy. That was a big relief for us. And in this 14-month period, Kelsey and I went back and forth about who was the worried one. There would be days where I would just be consumed with anxiety, worried, thinking about what could go wrong, you know, know, what's going to happen in the future. Kelsey would look at me and say, remember, God's in charge. And the next day would be the other way around. We kind of went back and forth on this. And you know what stole our peace? I mean, it's not too hard to think about. Insecurity and fear. Fear about what might be happening. And when we got that PR card, it was a statement of security. Right? Guarantee. All these things we were worried about aren't an issue anymore. If we have Jesus Christ in our life, there is nothing with the power to steal our peace. Because he has guaranteed everything that's important. He is the only security card that we need. And if you're living with fear, it's a sign that Jesus Christ isn't in the room. You know, in that season, that 14 months where I was worrying, God would say to me, Ben, what's your security? And I would relax and repent <laughs> because I wanted PR to be my security. In that season, God taught me a lesson. When, peaceing, when peace is missing from my life, it's because Jesus Christ isn't with me in the room. I had to repent quite often in that season of my worrying. There are a lot of things that can steal our peace, but there is only one person who can give us peace, the Prince of Peace. He gives the peace that passes understanding. So Jesus Christ sends out his disciples on mission, and he first gives them peace. And one of the principles of mission is God wants to work in your heart before he works through you. So, firstly, Jesus gives peace. Second, Jesus gives mission. That is a commission to go out. So, mission is something that gives us clarity. My wife and I shop differently. I love when Kelsey says to me, "Go to Safeway and buy diapers. You know, buy one thing." So I'll go and I'll I'll like you know put my stopwatch on. I'll, I'll go into Safeway. I know where the diapers are. And as I'm walking to the diapers, I check out the lines, and I see which one's the shortest, so I can get the diapers, get to the line as quickly as possible, and so I can get out of there. Kelsey's very different. When Kelsey goes to Safeway or wherever, she looks around and says, what do we need, you know? Uh, And she kind of takes her time, and she'll talk to the person in there. When I'm there, I'm on a mission, right? Uh, So mission gives us focus. It focuses our energy. And that's a small example, and they're much larger examples. You know, if you're at work, your work might have a mission that focuses the energies of your work. So, this passage is about mission. And you might say to me, well, I don't see the word mission here in this passage. Well, it's there twice. Let's just read again, John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as my Father has sent me I am sending you. So, the English word for sent in Latin is the word missio. Missio is the Latin for sending. So, to give somebody a mission is to send them. You know, Kelsey sends me to Safeway with a mission. And so, if you read this verse in Latin, it's, Jesus says, the Father has missioed me, missioned me, And I, in that way, am sending, I'm missioning you. So the word mission is twice here. At the very basic level, the passage is telling us that Jesus Christ is sending the church. But it doesn't just say that. It says this, as the Father sent me, so I send you. This morning, we were having breakfast as a family, and Raya, our two-year-old daughter, is translating what our baby says he's babbling lots and she was eating some granola and he was going ah and Rhea said he's saying I want to eat some granola just like you (laughs) so Jesus is saying I'm sending you just like the father sent me this is amazing put it this way the call is for the church to continue the mission of God. From the very beginning of creation, God has been on mission. He has been about a task. And at this moment in time, Jesus Christ hands the task to the church and says, it's your turn to pick it up and run. Here's a big fancy theologian, Daryl Guter, who's got a little quote about it. This is what Daryl Guter, Guter says. We have come to see that mission is not merely an activity of the church. Rather, mission is the result of God's initiative. I've got something. I typed this out. Um, I'm not sure what that's meant to say. Um, We participate in God's purpose uh, to heal and restore creation. Mission means sending And it is the central biblical theme describing the purpose of God's creation and action in human history. Sorry about the typos. God's mission began with the call of Israel. It reached its revelatory climax in God's action and work of salvation in Jesus. And it continues today in the worldwide witness of the churches. So this moment here in John 20 is where the mission of God passes from the hands of Jesus, in a sense, into the hands of the church. It's still his mission, but he's calling us to bring it forward. We have the privilege of taking part in God's worldwide grand mission. One commentator put it this way. John 3.16 says, very famous verse, God so loved the world. That he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 20 is saying this. God so loved Jerusalem that he sent Peter. God so loved Corinth that he sent Paul. God so loved China that he sent Hudson Taylor. And God so loves your neighborhood that he has sent you. You have been sent by God because he loves your neighborhood, because he loves your workplace. Friends, this, the church has a divine calling. I'll call it a holy task to take its part in fulfilling the mission of God. This is humbling, this is frightening, and each of us is called to do it nonetheless now. At first glance, this passage is light on details, Jesus says. As the Father sent me, so I sent you. So what does that look like, Jesus? (laughs) You know, if we compare it to a text like Matthew 28, Jesus gives some instructions there, go and make disciples, teach and baptize. But here, all it says is, I send you. If you read the Gospel of John over and over and over and over again, you will see, There are key words in the Gospel of John that are loaded. Words that are rich with meaning. One of them is this word sent, this mission word. For example, John 3, 16, 17, the second verse in 17 says this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the sending of God has to do with his purpose his authority, his origins, all these things. So if you study this word send in John, it will start to give shape to the mission of the church. And I only have time to say one thing here, may maybe the central thing. If you want to know about what John's gospel is excited about in a single word, the word is life. Jesus Christ was sent to the world to bring life. I've come to bring life and life to the full, John 10. 10. Flourishing, light in the darkness, revelation, new birth. The life of God has come to the world in the person of Christ. So here's one passage, for example, that should shape us. This is John chapter 20, verse 31. It's kind of a purpose statement of the book. These things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. By believing life in his name, and that's what we're called to. To participate in the mission of God is to bring the life of God through your actions, through your words, through testifying, through your prayers. We are called to live lives that show the world that we are his disciples. Okay, so that's the mission. In a big picture, that's the mission. So God gives us peace, mission. We've got to move on because there's more. The Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. Um, There's a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. Here we'll say this. The Holy Spirit is power for mission. He is our power for mission. Have I ever told you about the time that I almost converted somebody? This is one of my funny stories. Uh, when I was in England for a couple years, I volunteered at summer camps for youth. I loved them. And one year uh, in the cabin that I was leading, there was a young man named Dennis. And Dennis and I were chatting and uh, we were having spiritual conversations. I talked to him about his faith and he wasn't really a Christian, but he was really excited to be there. He was getting close. And I sensed that God wanted to bring him from death to life there in that week. And so I made a little plan. Uh, in, in, the, uh, in the week, there's kind of a talk schedule, like a, like a story that's told. And remember, the fifth talk was from the book of Ezekiel about sin. And the sixth talk was about the cross. So, and that was where the speaker would invite the young people to give their lives. So I made myself a little plan, right? My plan was before the, the cross talk, I would talk to Dennis and see if there were any objections he had. You know, sometimes people are close, but they've got one thing to deal with. So that's kind of sick. And after that cross talk, the next day, I would, you know, see if he was ready to give his life. And I I was very excited to perhaps lead him to faith. So um, I got my little plan. I prayed about it. And uh, so after the fifth talk on Ezekiel, before the sixth talk, I say, you know, Dennis, uh, how's it going? Um, you know, uh, what are you thinking about stuff? And he looked at me with this massive smile on his face, and he said, Ben, I think I've become a Christian. <laughs> God totally ruined my plan. <laughs> totally ruined my plan. It was the time I almost led someone to faith, right? What do you do? Ah, like, oh, God, you ruined my plan. Oh, so exciting. So I opened John chapter 15 with him, where it says that angels have a party in heaven, when someone who's lost gets found, it was, it was so exciting. So what's going on there, right? We make our little plans. The Holy Spirit was at work. The Holy Spirit was at his work. Dennis was one of the targets. You know, the Holy Spirit had his arrow, his presence on Dennis. And I didn't need to do nothing. You know, show up and say, hey, Dennis, what's going on? I've become a Christian. <laughs> that's, that's what mission's like. Because the power for mission doesn't come from how skilled we are or how smart we are, how good, whatever. The power for mission comes from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Did you finish that second point, the bigness and grandness of God's mission, scared? I hope you did. I'm a bit scared by it. Um, it's a big, big thing. If you finished listening to the mission of God saying, it sounds too big, I'm too small, you'd be right except for the Holy Spirit. Do you think God would leave everything up to us? God would leave everything up to us. John 16, verse 14. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, he will glorify me." The Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is absolutely passionate about the life of Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ. And the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, has been given to us as power for mission. He's at work. We try things and we fail, and the Holy Spirit has power. You better believe it, because Jesus told us. John 15. Here's John 15. When the advocate comes, the advocate is a title for the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So here Jesus says there's two testifyings, two witnesses, two speakings. The Holy Spirit, put it this way, speaks to a person's heart. He's at work. He has his targets, and he goes after and so you might say to me, you know, well, if the Spirit is working on somebody's life, you know, why do I do anything? Jesus says, you also must testify. We open our mouths. We speak with our words. We live our lives of good deeds, and we, and we do our best to testify, and our faulting, problematic, weak words, whatever, are used by God. Let me say, it has absolutely been my experience when I walk towards mission, when I, when I put mission as a priority in my life, the Holy Spirit is much more active in me and around me. I find these targets of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I find them. People in whom the Spirit is already moving. And you just kind of like say, you know, I know a little bit about Jesus. I've read the Bible. And I say, Please tell me about Jesus. People are out there. But it doesn't always happen. It doesn't just happen. When I'm not on mission, when I'm not thinking about mission, when I'm not prioritizing mission, the Holy Spirit's there, he's whispering to me, when I'm partnering with God, when the spirit is active, it is right to call the spirit the spirit of mission. By the way, when some people are spiritually dry, they look inward for the solution. You know, I've got to read my Bible more, pray more, sin, repentance, Sometimes, when you're spiritually dry, inwards is not the solution. You need to go out. To light the spark that's there, you've got to find the fire of mission. It can be like riding a bike. There are people who can get upright on a bike and stay there when the bike is still. I don't know if you know those people. They got a fixie, they're real strong, they're very impressive. It takes a lot of skill to get the bike upright when you're not moving. There are people whose main way of reconnecting with God is going inwards. For a lot of us, we've got to get the bike going. Just say that. Okay, so Jesus Christ gives peace, mission, the Holy Spirit, and finally authority. He gives authority. Here's verse 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus is saying when his disciples go out to preach, when they go out on mission, when they are filled with his peace and the Spirit, they have authority to pronounce forgiveness and non-forgiveness. Now, this is a bit off-putting for some. It sounds grand and audacious. It's no more audacious than the other three. No more or less grand than the other three. This is not saying that Christians or disciples can create forgiveness. That's what God does. Christians can share forgiveness. Christians are given the privilege of confirming the work that God is doing in a person's life. So in these verses, the verbs are repeated. If you forgive Sins they are forgiven. The second one, the forgiven one, it's in a state of uh, perfection. That is, their states are in a, their sins are in a state of forgiveness. Sorry to be a bit technical. The idea is, when you're going, when somebody goes out to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and someone receives, their sins are forgiven permanently. You're in a state of forgiveness. And the evangelist can say, yes, I see that God has worked in your life, and I confirm what God is doing. So it's not like disciples make forgiveness, but they are given the authority to speak on behalf of God the gospel and confirm when he's working. So let us not downplay there is real commissioning and authority given here by Jesus. So here are the four gifts of Jesus Christ, peace, peace, call to mission, the Holy Spirit himself, and authority. Which brings me back to my introduction. These four things Jesus has given to us. Jesus has left the church with this mission. And I want to tell you that it is possible for you to place the mission of God at the center of your life, to become a disciple whose life is about the mission of God. We don't need to go overseas to a different country. We don't need to go to a different place. That can help and is good for some people to do, but it is possible for you to be on mission right where you are. We've got my quote again. Right where you are, God is moving to draw and connect people in the depth, risk, and reality of Christ. To use the language of John, the life of Christ is breaking in So the question for us today is, what is your part in the mission of God? He has given us everything we need. That's what 2 Peter says. He's given us peace, Holy Spirit, authority, and a call. So I want to invite you this morning to make it a priority in your life to answer the question, what is your part in the mission of God? So this is a big topic I'm just going to make two applications to help fill this out. So this has been a high-level thing. i make two applications. Two applications. Firstly, yes, <laughs> this is a lot, eh? This is a lot. This is a big topic. And it is so exciting. Here's two applications. Firstly, bring them to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus. The mission is all about the wonderful life of Jesus Christ. And the secret of mission is so simple you bring people to Jesus. That's it. You bring people to Jesus. The Gospel of John gives us a number of stories illustrating what mission looks like. There's quite a few of them. I'm going to share one story. One story. Here's John chapter 1, starting at verse 40. Andrew. Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So in the previous verses, Andrew follows Jesus. First thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, Peter, Simon. He said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. What a great story. So, Andrew and Peter are brothers. Andrew has met Jesus himself a few verses earlier, and he takes Peter to meet Jesus, and immediately the first thing that happens is Peter has an identity change. The second Peter comes into contact with Jesus, his life is turned upside down and transformed from the good. He says, you were called Simon, you're now called Cephas, which means rock. Peter undergoes a life transformative experience that will take him years to work out until three years later when he stands up on the Pentecost morning and preaches that first Christian sermon. He he is a rock now. So what did Andrew do? What did Andrew do? Did Andrew give Peter that life transformative experience? No. This is what Andrew did. Andrew said a small sentence. He said, we have found the Messiah. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. That's all. He brought Peter to Jesus. Andrew didn't need to give Peter an identity change. When brothers try to do that to each other, it usually doesn't go very well. Andrew didn't need... And you couldn't do that. But you know who can do that stuff? You know who can turn a person's life upside down in a second? Jesus. What we can do is we can say, we have found the Messiah. Let me show you. Let me just say this quickly. It's not the same as bringing somebody to church. Church is a place where Jesus Christ's people meet, where we worship and we listen to sermons and whatever. Um. People can meet you this year, but going to church is not the goal. Often, when we get someone to church, we're like, yeah, we we, we did it. You know, we got him in the doors, or we got him to sit at home and watch the service online. Our goal is to introduce people to Jesus. Do you know how to do that? A few weeks ago, my wife, Kelsey, brought our kids to church. We try and bring hearts to church every week. And uh, Kelsey was and Gabriel, and I, I had our daughter, two and a half, Rhea, and we, uh, we're here at Fraserlands Church, and she said, we're at church. And she looked at me and she said, where's Jesus? I looked at her and said, what? She said, Daddy, where's Jesus? I said, wow. Um, I started panicking, you know, like, what do I say? She she wants to see Jesus. I thought, oh, maybe um it's Jesus Body, the people and so we went outside and looked at the cross and I said that's the cross and she said the cross of Jesus where he died. We've talkeded about that. Yeah, it's the cross. And we looked at this cross. And uh, later um, I was talking to Kelsey about this. And that morning she and Ray had been talking. And Kelsey said today we're going to church, church where Jesus is. <laughs> so Ray got to church. He said, "Where is Jesus?" Very understandable, right? Where is Jesus? <laughs> Well, Jesus is at church, but I think we mix it up, right? Is Jesus in church? Is, is, we, we have such a low bar for a mission. Bring people to church. It's great to bring people to church, but that's not the goal. The goal is to introduce people to Jesus. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to introduce somebody, to open the scriptures with them, to pray with them, to tell them about what he's like, to show them a life that's transformed by Jesus, So first. Bring people to Jesus. Second application. It's called Neighborhood Mission. So I want to finish with a challenge. For many people, the best place to look for the life of God at work outside is on your doorstep in your neighborhood. There are different places where we can do mission, and each of us has a different call on our life. Um, But for many of us, I sense that. The next wave of God's work in the West is going to be through neighborhood mission. And I want to put it to you that you should think about this. You should think about making your neighborhood a mission field. Put it that way. Um, What would it mean to make uh, your neighborhood a mission field? Well, what would it mean if Jesus Christ moved into the neighborhood? How would we go about doing this? I I put a little list of stuff up here. Let me read this list. It starts from the easiest going to the more significant. So in your neighborhood, do you know the names of your neighbors? Do they know yours? Uh, Beyond names, have you met them? Um, Have you spoken to them? Have you had conversations with them? Do you know their stories? Maybe my list is slightly different than the one. I'm just going to keep reading my list. Do you know the stories, right? So we just have a single conversation. We meet somebody, and they, 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 you know, our neighbors just said to us, "We're so sad, we can't go back to Ontario for Christmas because of Omicron, right?" So that they're opening their story to us, their their joys and their fears. Have you been into their homes? Um. <laughs> This is a pretty bad Sunday, to put this on the slide, isn't it? Pretty bad Sunday. And, uh, yeah, COVID's changed stuff. Um, and I'm not encouraging you to go knock on your neighbor's homes right now and walk in. But um, we do need to find ways of making hospitality work. Maybe right this Sunday is not the Sunday, but Omicron's going to go away at some point. And what's going to happen afterwards? Have you been into their homes, your neighbor's homes, And have they been into your your homes? What about this? Have you been on a prayer walk in your neighborhood? That's something we love to do, just to walk around and pray. Have you, so beyond going into homes, have you established a friendship? Have you established a friendship? You know, do you, you, here we go. Uh, we're, we're working. So, Dean of the Homes, have you established a friendship? You know, it's not just hello, hello. It's not just stories, but actually a real friendship. Where you know that person. Next, uh, that's the last one. Um, have you shared the good news of Jesus with somebody? Have you shared the good news of Jesus? You know, uh, have you named the name of Jesus Christ in your neighborhood? With my last mission of community, we made it a goal to to name Jesus' name. It's really interesting to name his name. And have you been able to share the gospel with somebody? That's not the same as them becoming a Christian, but we need to learn to share the gospel. Um, Have you led somebody to faith in your neighborhood? Now I'm (laughs) raising up the game. Have you led someone to faith in your neighborhood? And this is the goal. Have you begun a discipleship relationship with somebody in your neighborhood, right? What is the Great Commission in Matthew? Make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Do you know how to make disciples of somebody in your neighborhood? Do you know how to start a disciple-making relationship? Do you know how to continue a disciple-making relationship? My whole sermon has been about this. Jesus Christ has given us everything we need. He's given us peace, commission, the Holy Spirit, and authority. We don't need a class. Classes are great, and maybe that could help. But Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to make disciples. So do you know how to make disciples? So, let's finish with this. We all need to find our place in the mission of God. And maybe, just maybe, over the next season it's your turn to ask where god is at work in your neighborhood and how you might be part of that okay we move to communion now i'm gonna need a second to, to uh, come down here so i'm just going to be a quiet for a second and you can think about the message we're going to move to John three sixteen says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, in communion at this table we remember that Jesus Christ has come to bring us life. He gave his life for us to give us life. So let's talk about logistics here for a second. Um, we're trying things out for communion. So this is what we're going to hope to do. Do we have a slide illustrating the aisles? The aisles are a bit complicated. We did it one month previously. Do we have a slide? Okay, I'm going to start explaining. And in faith, remember that the slide will come. Okay, so, oh, it's there. It's not up there. Thank you, Larry. That's great. Uh, okay, so this aisle is for coming down. That aisle's for coming down, and that aisle's for coming down. The middle ones are for going back up. Up, up. Okay, so if you're in that section, this quarter here, you go out that way, down, and come back up. I'll talk to the middle next. This section, you go that way, come down, and go up there. Okay, we want a single aisle here down the middle. So what am I going to do? I'm going to ask this section to come first and then you can go back up either way That's fine and after this section's come down then I'll get this section to go down the middle okay so arrows I explained it if if you're going first you really gotta be okay if if you're not first you can watch the person before you but if you're at the beginning you think what did pastor Ben say okay so we're gonna have a station here for that section two stations at the front for the middles and a station over there and uh, that's great. And um, there should be uh, lots and lots of hand sanitizer. Let me just do a demonstration here. Okay, do we got hand sanitizer? Is it there, Ian? it there on the table? Yeah, that would be great. And our servers are going to have gloves, and everyone's going to have a mask, and that's great. Um, okay. Um, so, you know, come up, and they will serve you. There And you can take the wine, uh, take the the juice, and take the bread there. Okay, I think I've explained everything. Yeah, As, have I explained everything properly? Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, this is kind of new for us. It's new for everyone. Yeah, that's great. So isn't it great to be able to celebrate communion? Okay, let me just do the actual communion prayer a bit. We remember that Jesus Christ has died for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, On the night that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. and He broke it. Jesus said, This is my body, broken for you. Likewise, on the same night, he took the cup. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this wherever you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Okay, I'd like to invite the servers to come up. And I'll call sections once the servers are ready. This section down the middle. Thank you. And okay. okay. this section.
1: and uh, sing this in reflection. Um, just reflecting on the gifts that we've been given and how they may lead us into a neighborhood. So would you rise with us as we sing this song? The fountain I drink from the key
2: blessing for this morning comes from numbers chapter 6 the lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace amen amen happy new year everybody